Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather together this morning, we want to thank you for another day of life. We want to thank you for all your many blessings. We want to thank you for this opportunity to, to come before you, Lord. As we come together in this service, we just pray, Lord, that you will watch over us, that you'll bless us and keep us, so that you'll help us to have open hearts to what your word says, Lord. And just if there's someone here that has a need, Lord, we just pray that they'll bring it to you before it's too late. We thank you again for everything, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see everybody out this morning. Uh, last week I gave fist bumps out at the end of the service, especially the second one. It's a good thing I did because I had the flu last week. Uh, Monday I went to the doctor and I had the flu and they told me I have a, I'm ready to go, I'm not contagious, but I won't be shaking your hand again today just in case. So I don't, wanna, don't want you to think he's going to give me the plague. So I'm not going to try to do that. But if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter number 10. And I came across a Facebook post this week that for some reason made me laugh out loud. And that's not just something that you say, but it's something that I really did. If you'll put that up on the screen. And I thought to myself how that pertained to me. It said, I need a leaf blower, but for people. And I can imagine myself in Walmart walking around. And I've shared my struggles with Walmart through the years and through the months about how when I get to Walmart and I get my cart, I turn into something else. I want to run over half the people there. I thought about going to the doctor's office. I've been sick this week and I had to go and, you know, I've been kind of afraid to go. I've known this was coming on or something was coming on, but I was like, I don't want to go down there with all those sick people. And oftentimes when we get in a place with a lot of people, we just want everybody to just disappear and let it be just us. And as I thought about that, when I saw that, it made me laugh. And yet the more I thought about it, it also broke my heart. Because I thought about just how true that statement is in our world today. Oftentimes when we think about people around us, we can't help but think about the people in our home. Or perhaps even the people that we sometimes go to church with. When problems seem to arise, we wish we just had a leaf blower just to blow all the people away. As pressure seemed to mount, we wish we had a leaf blower so we could just blow all the people and all the problems away. As preferences seem to be lost, we wish we could do it our own way, in our own time, in our own whatever. We wish we just had a leaf blower to blow everything away. Sometimes it's almost becomes our habit to avoid people. It becomes our habit to uh, avoid situations. It becomes our habit to avoid making the relationships that we need to make. Because we just as soon do it on our own. We just soon do it by ourselves. Oftentimes, even we as the church, if we're not careful, we would just like to sweep away all the world. There seems to be a world filled with so many problems and trials and, and tribulations, and yet the Bible tells us to be careful about the world. It does tell us that, that we are not to be a friend of the world. It tells us, the Bible says, that we're not to be conformed to this world. It even tells us to be ye separate. But, and I want to make sure you hear that, we also see where Christ ate with sinners. We see where Christ talked with those whose society shunned. And we saw Christ not just putting up with the people around him, but seeking out those with the biggest needs. He didn't just uh, make a little bit of time for those that seemed to come, which he did do that, but there were times when he went out actively seeking those that had great big problems. 
And I look around our world today, and I see a world that's full of great big problems. Most of the time as a church, we think, well, if we could just give a little money to a problem, that'll fix it. I've come to understand something in the past few months, and it's something that kind of surprised me. But there is not really a poverty of material blessings in our country today. You say, what are you talking about, Chris? Some may not have as much as other people have, but we still live in a land of plenty and prosperity. We have been blessed by God. Some people may even be defined as poor according to their neighbors. And yet we live in a land that has truly been blessed with a lot of generous people in it. We can look around and see God working and moving in all kinds of different ways. But the truth is, there is a poverty in this country. There is a poverty in this community. And oftentimes it's not a poverty of material things that we often think about, but a poverty of relationships. There's a poverty of people who are out seeking to make good, godly relationships with their friends and neighbors. Who are trying to reach out in the love of Christ the way that we are all here called to do. Sometimes there's a poverty of responsibility. Not only have I seen people choose vices and lusts instead of family and calling. Sometimes if we're not careful, we as church people, we want to shirk back from our responsibility to reach out to a lost and dying world. It is a calling that we can't run from. We are called to do. All you have to do is look around and see that there is a poverty of a righteousness in the Lord. And the world needs the Word of God today more than ever, church. We ought not to back up from what the Word says because, church, there is a need. And God has put people in our path for us to reach out to. God has put people in our path for a purpose. And oftentimes, our first thought is, I need a leaf blower, except for people. I need a leaf blower to get rid of all these struggles and all these problems. And the truth is, we as Christians should never try to sweep away people. As a pastor, most of you that know me have known me for very long, I like to keep problems to a minimum. I don't like struggles. I don't like problems. I don't like terrible things happening. But you know what? Sometimes as we reach out, helping people can be messy. Sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it can be taxing. Sometimes it can keep us up at night. Sometimes it can cost us money. Sometimes it can cost us a lot of time. Sometimes it causes heartache. And yet if I want to be like Jesus, I'm called to go forward. I'm called to reach out. This morning I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's one I may have even shared here before, but we're not going to get caught up in the details. Because oftentimes the details of this story can be hard to understand. But there is a true message in what I want to share this morning that is unmistakable. And it's one that you will recognize immediately. It's one you're familiar with. And at the end of the service, which is not that far away, I'm going to share a video with you. And I will go ahead and tell you it's about the Bible story, but it's a very modern take on the familiar character that we see in this story. She's not dressed like somebody from the Bible. She doesn't necessarily talk like somebody from the Bible. And yet, the emotions, the feelings, the things that she face, faces are just exactly the things that people face today. I think sometimes we forget that the sin might be different. But the cure is always the same. 
The problem might be big or small, but at the core, at the root of it, the cure is always the same. So this morning as we look at John, we're going to look at the story about the woman who was brought to Jesus, who was caught in the very act of adultery. And she was brought before Jesus so that he might condemn her. And in a sense, it wasn't just so that he could condemn her. It was so that they might have a reason to accuse Jesus, both before the Jews and or the Romans. They were just trying to trap him. They were just trying to catch him. They were just looking for an excuse to trip him up. You know what? As we go out and reach into the world, we're going to find where people are just looking for an excuse to trip us up. And that's where we find Jesus in this story here. And in John chapter 8 and verse number 1, it says, and I want to read through the whole thing. There's 11 verses. And I don't want you to, to get caught up in the details so much. I want you to hear the story. I want you to think about what that looked like. I want you to think about what the people in the story felt. Because oftentimes when we read Scripture, we think, wow, isn't that a nice story? Or wow, I learned this. But we forget that there were actual people there that actually faced these things. There are actual people today that face these and other things just exactly like this. I had the flu this week. That's why I'm just going to give you the fist bump. And Autumn had the flu a couple weeks ago. And my first thought to her was, you need to toughen up and just get over that thing. I didn't say that because that wouldn't be nice at all. And then when I got the flu, I, I didn't quite get the man flu where, you know, you just, you just can't make it, but it was close. Oh, what am I going to do? I learned to have a little more compassion. I learned to have some more sympathy. And sometimes we look at different things. And we think, how did you get in that mess? How did you get in that problem? What in the world were you thinking? Except when we take a step back and look at our own life, it might be a little different sickness. It could be something, a different vice. It could be a different struggle, whatever it might be. And yet if we're not careful, we can see ourselves in these stories and go, I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. I used to share with the church that I pastored, uh, up until the time I was about 35 years old, I still had both my parents and both sets of my grandparents were still alive. And I used to share with the church that I never knew what it was like to lose someone close to me. Now, as a pastor, I'd been to several funerals, but I could never get up and say, I know what you're going through. I couldn't get up and say it because I didn't know what they were going through. I used to go stand at a casket and try to find something nice to say to the family as they walked by. And the truth was, I always struggled to find just the right words because I didn't know what they were going through. Then I lost both my grandparents on one side. And lost my dad at a very young age. Now I can stand up and say, I know exactly what you're going through. I know what that feels like. It brings a certain amount of sympathy that I never had before. It brings an amount of compassion that I had never been able to share in the past before. When I read a story like this, I think, I've never done that. But you know what? I also know there were things in my life that perhaps I'm not proud of. It might not have been this, it might not have been that. But I know what that feels like. And in the end, I'll go ahead and give you in the, what, the, what the ending's going to be. I know what Jesus was able to do for me. John chapter 8 says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. 
And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifting, himself, lifting up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest or the oldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. We see Jesus in this picture, if you will, or this account. Caught out right. Go ahead. And dragged straight. We see, we'll watch that here in just a minute. We see Jesus here in this account. And caught out right and dragged straight into. We're going to get to watch it yet, aren't we? <laughs> we see Jesus here in this account where he is out there and he's teaching and he's in this area here and all of a sudden the, the Pharisees and the scribes bring this woman who's caught in adultery and, and you can almost picture them just kind of throwing her down and saying, what are you going to do with her now? And in the account we see where he spends a lot of the time in the story here writing something or drawing something in the sand. Now, People and scholars and commentators have talked about it for centuries, I'm sure. What exactly was he drawing? Some people I thought maybe he was writing the names of those that were present. Those people that were around that he was writing each of their names down, uh, who were there, her accusers. Some people thought maybe that he was writing a list of everybody there's sin. One person even said that perhaps if she was caught in the act, perhaps she was not properly dressed. And that Jesus didn't want to look at her. And so he drew in the sand to avert his eyes from her. The truth is there's been much speculation. But we just don't know for sure. However, when you see that story, the focus is not on what was he doing in the sand. The focus is not on who was bringing her. The focus that we see every single time, and there's no debate about this. We see the wisdom, the mercy, and the forgiveness of Jesus in this situation towards a woman. We see his mercy and compassion on full display. We see him being the Jesus that we think about him being, that we want him to be. We think about how much he loves those around us and how much, how forgiving he can be. That's what we see from that story. And yet, oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can also relate with the Pharisees. Or if we're not careful, we can act like the Pharisees. 
They were very rigid in the law and in the manner of the, the things that they were doing there. It was so, they, and they were so oblivious to their own shortcomings and their sins until Christ pointed them out. We can see that. It's easy to see somebody else's problems. It's easy to, to point fingers and go, wow, you failed greatly. Wow, you messed up. Wow, you whatever. It's easy for us to do that. We can kind of see that sometimes. Maybe not just in ourselves, but in those around us. And yet we have to be careful. This is not a passage about accepting sin as being okay. It's never been about that, and it's not about that today. This passage talks about being holy. It's not about accepting sin, condoning sin, or ignoring sin. At the end of this passage, what does Jesus tell the woman? Go and sin no more. He calls her to holiness in the end of this. So this is not about just looking the other way and going, well, sin doesn't matter. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14, it says this, Follow peace with all men. Whew, that's a big job in itself, isn't it? It says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is a big deal all the way through scriptures, and we see that in this particular case. He says, go and sin no more. You know, the truth is the world needs us to be clear about God's calling and God's standard. They need to hear the voice of the church. They need to hear the, the word of God. And yet we must not come at it as self-righteous hypocrites but as living examples of Christ's power to overcome this world. We've got to show people what a shining light looks like and call them to more. We can find that in this story. We can relate to that. We can often relate with the woman, focusing on our own failures, thinking about our own past, thinking about something that, that maybe we really messed up. Sometimes we think about big things like, oh, you won't believe what I did. Sometimes we think about little things that just seem to gnaw at us that we can't just, we just can't seem to let go of. There are just things that maybe don't rise to the, to the great big levels that we often think about, but they are still real in our life and they are still hindrances in our walk with Christ. We can relate to what's going on. We can also relate to this woman thinking about her desire not to be judged too harshly. So. I've failed. I've messed up. I've not handled something right. I hope Christ shows me mercy. I pray He gives me forgiveness. We see that. And as Christians especially, we understand and are thankful for Christ's forgiveness in our own life. We can see that in that woman. We can see that in ourselves. We can understand that. And yet, what I want to show you this morning is... I think oftentimes we miss something that is very important in today's world. We often miss the hope that is in this story. There's a lady here who the law says was supposed to die for her crime or her sin. And yet, she found life in Christ. That's something to be hopeful about. That's something to be excited about. We often miss the humanity in this story. 
You know, we see Jesus as this holy, wonderful figure there, and we see these Pharisees as the bad guys over here, and we see this lady who gets forgiveness, and yet it's not careful it becomes a story. Yeah, I shared the story today about this, this, and this. And yet, Jesus was and is, and I said that the correct way, a real person. The woman was someone who was actually caught in this predicament, if you will, in this sin. She was a real person who was about to lose her life. What if they'd all decided, yes, we're going to pick up stones and we're going to throw them at her? She would have died. I share this often, but stoning is basically just picking up rocks and throwing them at somebody until they're dead. That sounds like a terrible way to go. And yet that's, who this, that's what this lady was getting ready to face. We miss the humanity in the story. We miss what, the, who the people are. I have a close friend of mine who I've known for years and think a whole lot about him. And one time we were together for some reason and he heard about a terrible car accident. Someone got killed. And his first question that I'll never forget, he said, I wonder if they were a Christian. Oftentimes I wonder what happened. I wonder who it was. I wonder whose fault it was. I wonder if maybe they were doing something they weren't supposed to. His first thought on his mind and the first thing out of his mouth was, I wonder if they were a Christian. I hope they were a Christian. He thought about the person, not just in the here and now, but saw the big picture of things. It's easy to have that attitude of, I wish I had a leaf blower, except for people. Because we forget the hope that Christ brings, even to the worst situations. We forget the humanity of the people that are there, the, the things that they are facing. The thing that I think we often miss the most is we miss the mission of this story. When I think about this story, Jesus doesn't ask this lady to go and tell everybody what he's done for her. We don't find that account that I'm familiar with. Jesus doesn't say, you know, go, go out and, and witness and, and share this. And yet when I think about us today... If we know that Jesus can forgive such great offenses to those who don't deserve it, why would we not be passionate about going out and sharing that with a lost and dying world? Why would we not be passionate about going out and sharing that with a community full of people with big problems? Why would we not be willing to go out and talk to our family and our friends and tell them about, have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Or at least, can you come to church with me and let the preacher tell you about Jesus? Do we go out and compel them to come in? To hear that good news. In so many things, this is kind of a, a, an awful story. And yet, it's also a wonderful story of forgiveness, of hope, of humanity, and also of mission for us. I'm getting ready to show you a video. It's called The Adulteress. It's a very modern looking lady. If you notice, we, we showed a little bit of it there earlier. She looks like she's in some kind of old building next to a window. They didn't make any attempt whatsoever to make this look like a Bible story. And yet when I see that woman, 
I can hear in her voice the pain. I can see the hope. I can understand her relief and her love for Christ. So I want you to listen carefully to this. Then I want to share a scripture with you. And I'm going to ask them to come and get a song for us. But I want to go ahead and give you the question that I was going to share with you at the end. Who has God placed in your path? Who do you know that needs Christ? Who has God placed in the path of our church? Who do we know? What need do we see? It says, Christ can fix that. I have the answer. I know the one. Let me introduce you to somebody. Instead of looking for a leaf blower to get rid of everything, let's look for the opportunities. Look for the calling. I've been caught outright and dragged straight into open daylight. Bystanders gawking, the village women absorbing every morsel of gossip. Common decency dictated that the shame of the moment was enough. But the law called for something greater. My life. Of course, a long audience followed behind. Don't think I didn't recognize a couple of them. Their words condemned me, but they didn't dare look me in the eye. I did everything to try to cover my shame, but I couldn't hide from the onlookers or this holy man whose feet they threw me to. I was finished. I stared at the ground when he said that whoever was sinless, they should go first. They should throw the first stone. Squeezed my eyes shut, grasping at the gravel, waiting for the end of my life to unfold. Nothing though. Then footsteps, except they were walking away. I looked up. Is there no one left to accuse you? He asked me. No. I don't either. He said, go and sin no more. Accusers. That's how he ended up on the cross. And as he hung there dying, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it, it is finished. That's something different. That's a different thing. It means that something is accomplished, restored. He restored my hope, my self-respect and my dignity. I didn't even know I had any left. <laughs> on a day when I thought that my life was finished 
the only man there holy enough to demand justice. Handed me mercy. They'll put up the last passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verses 9 through 11 says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible is clear that sin is bad. The Bible is clear that sin destroys. And yet when we read the rest of this passage of Scripture, the Bible is also clear that no matter what we face, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, there's still hope. Because look what he says, as such were some of you. He says, you all were doing some of those things. You used to be that. But then he says this, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. As we get ready to get a song, I want to remind you, Jesus Christ is still changing lives. Jesus Christ is still giving hope. Jesus Christ has still got a mission that he's called us to fulfill as we introduce people to him, as we share that good news with everyone, as we take hold of that forgiveness that he offers us through him. If you're here this morning and you have a need, will you come? If you have a burden on your heart, will you come? Maybe you have a burden for somebody. We've got quilts up here that we've put out that we're going to be praying over in the second service. It won't hurt if there's some tears on them. Maybe you just want to sit at the front seat. It won't hurt if there's some tears shed there. If you've got a burden, don't walk out that door. If God spoke to you, just like he spoke to this woman. When you get an opportunity to meet Jesus, don't pass it up. It will change your life.